Chris. Hello, hello. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. It's been a pretty quick week. Seems like Wednesday just kind of appeared and I thought it was still Tuesday. <laughs> See, I've been thinking like yesterday I thought it was Wednesday, but yesterday was Tuesday. So when I <laughs> That's bed, actually the like, worst problem to have because then you think the week's more over than than it really is. Yeah, it was it was not my favorite. <laughs> but I mean, no. There are times when you are really looking forward to building something or whatever and then you find out you have an extra day like you you found yourself yesterday. But usually you're looking forward to the weekend and oh no, we have another day to work. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's been uh it's been a really good week for me though. I've been like really on my A game. So that's good to hear. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but just just cranking out stuff. So, said so you've been working on some email integrations at work. Yeah, so we have previously supported just ConvertKit. So for creators, they can tag people in ConvertKit, and then recently, by recently, I mean like two days ago, I released the ability for drip and active campaign and mailchimp so that is super cool i need to try using convert kit sometime soon i've heard really really good things about it same with drip um but you know they they get to be really expensive pretty fast and i, I was um just kind of avoiding expenses so i actually use um mailjet which is a european company and their pricing is actually kind of unique because, you know, we're used to like a send grid charges per email you send, but, um, you know, a convert kit or something charges more about how many people are on your list kind of thing. And so, um, mine, I pay like, you know, $10 a month to send out like up to 30,000 emails or something. And it includes some mailing list stuff, but it's not near as advanced and like you can't, um, you can't split people out into flows or anything. So I've just been on the cheap train, but I think that it would really improve things having a really good setup with convert kit or drip or something like that. <clears throat> yeah. I, I guess about a year and a half ago when I was like, I'm going to blog all the time and like people want to join my email list. I had convert kit and then I stopped blogging and I didn't really have like a ton of amazing things to say. And so my email list wasn't growing and I was like, yeah, MailChimp is free like for this many subscribers. So I switched mm -hmm. back over. Yeah, it adds up. It's pretty expensive, pretty fast for a lot of those. And um, I don't blame you, um, but I disagree that you don't have good things to say. Oh, sweet of you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, one thing I was going to mention, did you see that tweet that DHH mentioned about the, um, you know, there's been rumors or whatever that Webpacker would be the default JavaScript, um, compiler for Rails 6. Uh, and he, he opened up a tweet that was, uh, basically like asking people to help finish moving some of the tests over to that because, um, they're going to keep sprockets, 
but that will be for images and style sheets. And then uh, JavaScript will be all in Webpacker. And so there's a lot of uh, tests, I guess, that they got to convert over to that. I'm looking forward to that, though. Seems like it will be a pretty good change. And it's also kind of surprising to hear coming from DHH, who is very kind of opposed to that uh, a year or so ago. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, it could not be related at all. But I know, like, Webpack 4 is supposed to be like zero config out of the box. And plus, it, like, using Webpack, it's kind of, I guess, the standard way now to, like, access, like, ES6 and things like that. So, like, it makes sense. But I wonder if, you know, after using more air quotes, modern JavaScript and not having to config webpack as much, maybe that helps kind of push us in this direction. Totally speculating that. Yeah. I'm curious about all this because he also followed up with a tweet that said that once that was done, they would be announcing a new framework in rails, which assuming because that depends on it, there must be some sort of JavaScript framework. Um, and that means that it's not a Turbolinks and it's not stimulus. Um, so I don't really know what it might do. I don't know, but I'm really like, I'm really excited, uh, which sounds silly, I guess. But like, I look at a lot of like other ecosystems that are pretty active and it feels like we're right there with them right now with like, I don't know, with the Rails 6 changes like that coming, I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of cool stuff um starting to pick up again, maybe, you know? It seems it seems like uh we hit kind of some lulls recently, but there seems to be some more stuff going on. Stimulus um has been really fun to use. And it doesn't really compete with uh view or anything um because it can't generate html but i've really really enjoyed using it have you used stimulus for anything not other than trying it out when it came out but but when it came out i was on my like react kick so (laughs) sure what's really cool is if you were to use it for something like tabs for example you basically can rebuild like your bootstrap tabs in like five minutes, <clears throat> maybe less. Um, and the reason that's awesome is like, then, you know, bootstrap is kind of dependent upon you added some data attributes to these or whatever. And you had somewhat of a specific structure like stimulus. You can do the exact same thing. You put some data attributes on it, but then you can also tell it which functions to call in your JavaScript. Cause you can say like, Rather than this is a, in Bootstrap, you'd say this is a tab and this is the tab content that matches this one. Your stimulus stuff can just say, well, um, when I click on this, I want you to toggle the equivalent tab content. And so you could like look up them by index and say, okay, you click tab number three, we should make visible the content number three item. And it's that easy. And it's like, this could work with, Bulma or Tailwind or, you know, any sort of HTML. You could also set up your HTML in sort of any structure. Um, And I think that's really neat. 
And it's just really easy to reference all of your stuff because the targets kind of pre-select out your items for you. So you don't have to write any selectors, which is really handy. I really like that piece. <laughs> yeah, one uh, one thing I want to go back to real quick. Did you read the pull request? or I don't know if it was pull request or an issue, but I think it was pull request where it's actually talking about making Webpack the default JavaScript. I did. did. You see, yeah. it kind of turned into a point of contention. Like, why do we still have sprockets? Yeah, and it's not a you know, it's not an invalid question. Um, he tried to brush it off as if it was, and I was like, well, well, you know, like especially with Tailwind and stuff, like we can import uh, CSS and style sheets in Webpacker and have it compile it. Um, so it is kind of interesting that that you know, we could actually fully replace it. I'm not entirely sure what benefits you get from keeping it around. Um, other than, you know, a lot of stuff is already there and it would probably take a lot of work to fully move everything over to Webpack, but you could. Yeah. I wonder too, um, what it, what it would be like to upgrade from like rails five to Rails six like losing the asset pipeline like that. Yeah. And it would probably be as nasty as last time when the asset pipeline was introduced or like when prototype was no longer the default and jQuery became the default. Like those are pretty major painful upgrades. Yeah. And I would imagine aside from the imports in your JavaScript, you know, those being in your, in the comments at the top of the file, I bet for the most part, you could just simply move your JavaScript over and then replace those with the requires or imports. I bet it would still work pretty much the same. The one uh, valid argument, not, not the one, there were a lot of valid arguments, I guess, either way, but one of the valid arguments for um, keeping sprockets was that if you do want to use, webpack for your assets like you can do that yeah um and and for your style sheets and images and stuff it just didn't seem like it added a whole lot of value to move them over so that's probably why like for javascript you get a lot of value because you can use Babel a lot easier and do a lot more normal JavaScript stuff. So that that's a good reason for JavaScript to move. But, you know, I don't see a huge benefit for um, style sheets or images. There is that point that, <clears throat> what is it? The SCSS library is officially being like deprecated. Uh, yeah, you remember the, seeing the that? The Ruby version recently? of it is. Yeah, which was what it was being, was that what was being used by so. default? Um, Cause if I remember right, the like C lib SAS or whatever, maybe wasn't fully compatible with that for quite a while. And that was why it wasn't Is being it? used or something. But then again, it's a C extension too. So it's not as easy or as portable as a Ruby. Or is for it, it? Is the C version going away in favor of Dart? Didn't I read that? Yeah, I think the official thing was going to move over to Dart. 
which I don't know anything about. We may have talked about this in the past on a Dart SAS, the new primary implementation, does not always behave 100% the same as Ruby SAS. Uh-huh. And then I'm assuming that, you know, when you use something like Tailwind CSS in your Webpacker stuff, that's using a JavaScript compiler for SAS. I would, I would guess because you you can if, as long as you set your file names to scss it will handle them as uh, accordingly. I need to read up more on that right now. I just sound like an idiot, which is not too far off because <laughs> I don't know much about that. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting times. Yeah, things are changing, which yeah, is I'm, good. I, that was. I think that was the biggest draw for me when I came to Rails and Ruby. Um, I was in Python for a long time and in the Linux community, which I was in like before I was really doing a lot of programming, I was playing a lot with Ubuntu Linux and Debian and stuff like that. And the one funny thing in the community, the jokes that would go around were like, you know, the Debian users never want to upgrade anything ever. And Ubuntu users were always doing more modern stuff and willing to upgrade things and whatever. And going from Python to Ruby was kind of similar because I was in Python up until like Python 2.6, maybe. Um, and that was right around the time when Python 3 was being worked on and being released and everything. And it was not a, it was a major change, but there was not a whole lot of upgrades you had to do. And there was like some Python 2 to 3 converters that would convert your code over. But the community just never, ever would like upgrade. And even to this day, there's still a lot of projects that are on Python 2 instead of Python 3. And finally, a couple of years ago, they got most of the main applications upgraded to Python 3, which I think is now, you know, like the default on Ubuntu installs. But that was what impressed me about the Rails community and Ruby in general is they were willing to move forward on new stuff and embrace it so quickly. You know, it wasn't that, you know, the asset pipeline comes out and everybody refuses to upgrade. Um, it was that everybody was like, God, now I have to do this work every time. And they treated it as like, okay, we have to keep moving and we have to keep improving stuff. And I always really liked that about the Rails and Ruby communities. They seem to really embrace, you know, making things better, which is awesome. Agreed. Anything else? Have you ever experienced? Have you ever experienced stuff like that in uh, your communities? You did a lot of PHP in the past, um, too, right? I did some PHP. Or My some? time with PHP was so short that, like, I never really considered myself a PHP dev. I, I and th- then like okay. I got into Ruby and Rails, and then I got a PHP job, but that was mostly like WordPress dev, which. Mm. How how do you feel about the WordPress community embracing change um, or moving forward? I came in when WordPress was like coming off of three into four, and okay, I don't know. It's really it's kind of a mixed a mixed bag because or it was because you have like that's a very big ecosystem, a very big community, and so it, it's. It seemed very yeah, that's like true. half like build it once, don't maintain it. Or 
build it and keep it maintained. It felt like it was one or the other, and it was kind of equally split. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of interesting too, because the way that those community works or communities work, they you know they officially, as part of the framework, provide an upgrade tool and stuff built in, and not really a thing when you build custom software like you do with Rails and stuff, because it's just not quite the same. So um, I imagine that affects the community a, a lot in a, different ways. And especially when they're a community of that size, like WordPress is, it, it, there's got to be a lot of people who don't want to upgrade. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it was tough because I also worked on a lot of like what I would call legacy WordPress sites, which just means they were built and not maintained. And so like, clicking the upgrade button was like terrifying because it's like, what's going to happen between these 10 plugins, half of which are outdated and this custom built theme that is kind of jigsawed together. Like just clicking a button to upgrade all of that to the latest. It was scary. So yeah. That sounds like it. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, speaking of stimulus, uh, one of the GoRails guys, uh, Stephen Dolan, put together stimawesome.com, which uh, keeps track of a bunch of cool stimulus packages. Um, and that way you can just, you know, have a good reference for stuff that's available out there, which I thought Shout was a great Steven. idea. You said Stephen, right? Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, Stephen Dolan. Um I believe it's also the site is on GitHub. It looks like so you can contribute to the site as well. Sti I thought it'd be nice. Stimulus, right? Yes. Oh, I see. I asked him earlier about links to GitHub, and it seems like certain ones have a URL to visit their GitHub repository. That validation one looks really cool. It's stimulus validation. Yeah, I need to check that out. That would be really handy. Um, it seems like a really good idea for a stimulus thing as well, because you know you have your browser validation of presence or not, and that's about as far as it goes. But if you had a stimulus one that was easily customizable, um, that would be fantastic. So I like that idea a lot, and definitely is something to fiddle with and, and see the... how it works. 18 minutes we've been talking makes me really want to go mess with stimulus. So, uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, I used it just briefly the other day to make a drop down and tabs. And I was like, man, I need to use stimulus more because it just works a lot more fluid. And the, I think probably the most important part of it is that it uses the mutation observers. So when it sets itself up, and you can run it anytime. It will look for anything on the page that fits the criteria that it, it looks for. And you don't have to like initialize it or anything like you do with, you know, Vue.js or jQuery or React or whatever. You don't have to like wait for it to render things or anything. It just knows uh, what HTML is already on the page. And that's really makes it feel really cool because it just works. You don't have to worry about 
you know, rendering any HTML. You let Rails do that. It does a pretty good job. I think that like something like this, this STEM awesome thing could really help grow something like Stimulus more. I agree. Um, There's a bunch of those, you know, like what awesome Ruby and some other GitHub repos that keep track of a bunch of um, things. I know there's one for Tailwind that, has a bunch of cool libraries and sites built with Tailwind and whatever. I reference those all the time. Those uh, collections of um, libraries and links and stuff are really handy. So, yeah. Like just seeing these code examples, I'm like, oh, that is something I wouldn't necessarily have thought of to use stimulus for. Even though there's only like eight here, I'm like, oh, this like kind of like starts like expanding my mind a little. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are not sure how to imagine stimulus being added in your application in a similar way that you might use Vue or React or something for certain situations. And like, you know, we're familiar enough with React or Vue that you can imagine what you can do with it. But stimulus is still a little nebulous in your mind, I think, on how it can be applied just because it, it requires a bit more um, coupling with your application. Like if you need to render something, like if you're trying to build, for example, um, like a nested form and you wanted to click a button to add more fields, well, you probably have to ask Rails for that template to insert in there or have Rails already generate it in a hidden location that you could reference with stimulus. So because it can't generate HTML, it ends up being a little bit different of an approach. So it's a bit harder to imagine how to use it. I feel like um, if you're familiar already with Vue or React, because it's going to take a quite a bit of a different approach. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe that's what we're being gifted with in Rails 6. Something that can do HTML. Could be. I'm Could interested. Be. I'm, I'm like excited to see what's going to come out of Rails next, which I haven't really felt. Like I didn't feel so much between the four and five upgrade just because like I, Mm -hmm. yeah, those are kind of systematic. Yeah. Like the, I use the API a lot, um, the API flag. And then I've never like in production used an action cable product. So. Yeah. I use action cable and hatchbox to sync back, um, status updates and progress and stuff and that it works pretty well um i've got some you know stuff that i did not the best um you know for refreshing the page whenever status changes for example i need to improve some of that but stimulus or not stimulus um action cable has worked pretty flawlessly for me ever since I uh, had it running. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'd also like to check out the, you know, you had uh, Paul Ken speak at Southeast Ruby and and they worked on uh, any cable, which is like a replacement backend that's a lot more efficient because it's written in either Go or Elixir. Um, and I want to try getting that running and then uh, supporting that officially on Hatchbox sometime too. Um, cause I think that would be, you know, just nice to have something that, or another option in case you didn't want to spin up 
extra action cable servers or something because they have you know a lot more open connections or whatever. So I imagine they need a little bit more scale if you have a lot of users constantly connected. I have this is changing gears a little bit. So last week when we talked, I was talking about like building an API for an app I'm building. And mm-hmm. I was using Hanami and like I was talking about how I kind of like stretched my brain a little bit. And that was good, but that wasn't necessarily the right fit for this project that I'm working on because I just kind of want to get this project done. Uh, so I fired up a Rails app mm-hmm. and I was like, I was in one of my moods where I'm like, I'm just going to try and stick to like the air quotes rails way. Cause it's a really small API. Like, so I didn't bring in like our spec. I didn't bring in like factory bot or anything like that. I was like, I'm going, I'm going to do this like fixtures and like mini tests and all this. And granted, I only have like a handful of models, things like that, but I've really enjoyed the experience. Like I've kind of, it kind of felt like I was using rails for the first time again. <laughs> yeah, where everything works very fluidly, and um, yeah, I, that that initial experience of like, wow, I can accomplish all that in just this me- this much time. That is a magical yeah, experience. Like I've have. been, uh, so I was using fixtures, and like I just define my fixtures whenever I like generate a model, and then that's how I'm like seeding my database. I just run like Rails DB fixture load. Uh, Anytime like my data gets out of hand, I just like DB reset, DB load, and it's quick. Uh, my tests are, I mean, it's a small test suite, but they run really fast using fixtures right now. Like, I don't know. There's just uh, something about it that just, I don't know. I feel, I feel like a, like a rails fanboy right now. <laughs> and I very much like there are, there are certain things that I necessarily like don't want to use from rails all the time, like especially in bigger projects. But right now I'm, I'm on that, that high. So That's great. Yeah. That's a good feeling to have. I feel like uh, that comes and goes at this point. I used to feel that a lot more, but uh, the more that I've been, you know, building things, the less and less often I feel that way, but it still comes back once in a while and you really kind of, feel the yeah i guess, I guess that's what it is again. i feel the appreciation for right. it or like because there's a lot of times like i really i think there's a lot of this is like i'm trying to not like wage a war here uh there's a lot of times i really appreciate other design decisions than rails um but i guess i'm i'm finding that i don't necessarily always need them especially for like these like this small thing I'm just trying to get off the ground and yeah, it works for me. So. Yeah. I've found, you know, if I focus on um, building stuff just as fast as I can to make it easy to change and then just, you know, do the basics. I've been really happy with rails because it often kind of encourages that, you know, not trying to build anything, um, really for any other reasons. Cause a lot of my stuff I'm trying to prove out, um, an idea or something, you know, I have, uh, worked on a startup idea and you want to see if it's going to work or not. So you don't want to spend too much time, you know, making sure it's going to never fail or anything. You want to 
build your prototype pretty quickly and get some users using it and then make it easy to change because inevitably your idea is going to not quite be right. And I felt like that has been really very well served using Rails because I can go and prototype a whole business in a few days instead of weeks or whatever. And, you know, a lot of other stuff that, that pushes other design choices or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, Though I'm feeling this like this kind of high right now, I still like I still want to go back and like build an actual Hanami application, right? Like I I still want to pursue these other things, but uh, man, it's been. I found a couple of hotels. Whoops, I triggered theory. Uh, I don't know. It's just been nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today's special guest Siri. Hello, Siri. Hi, Jason. Um. Anyway. I, I digress a little bit. I think, I think that's also been part of the reason, like why it kind of helped me like get some of my like confidence and like got me rolling again. Uh, so I think that's contributed to my week of like being super productive too. So That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, I don't know. A big factor for me has been a shift from when I was learning to code, just, trying to be confident that I could build anything. Like if you gave me a problem to solve, like wanted to know for sure that I could build it. Um, And then at a certain point I was fairly confident I could do that. And then I wanted to make sure I could do it quickly or relative in in a reasonable amount of time. And then over time I learned that I could do that. And so now my, my focus has shifted more on like, I want to build something that people use and want all of my things that I invest my time into to be things that qualify for that. And I feel like that's affected my, you know, feelings towards programming languages and frameworks and stuff quite a lot. Like I don't enjoy it purely for, you know, the challenge of can I build this or not now? I'm, I'm, I have different concerns that I'm like thinking about as I build stuff and that someone sucks the fun out of programming. Sometimes I really just enjoy can I possibly do this? I don't know. And so I sit down and see if I can. And that, that seems to be the times when I really have the most fun. And it's probably just cause it's purely for fun at that point. It's yeah. not trying to prove anything. Well, I am, I am a bit of a time crunch today, so I might have to cut short. That sounds good yeah, to me. We will not, be back uh, next week then. Not letting too much out of the bag though, but I will see we'll see Chris tomorrow as we are taking a uh codecation as the term is coined to work on kind of a a secret project we're starting. Yep. Yes, we will tell you guys more about that, I'm sure, very soon. But I'm really looking forward to doing a codecation. You know, it's like you can do a hackathon and that's fun and all, but they give you some random challenge and, you know, want your they want your project afterwards or something. You know, there's always strings attached with those, but we're going to own our thing at the end of this and then, you know, Go spend a, a good weekend hanging out and coding. On I am too. Fun. That's, uh, I think that's why it, when man. I realized that yesterday was not Wednesday, I was bummed because I was like, man, there's so much time between now. But yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to, I'm, 
I'm excited. I'm sad to leave the family for a weekend, but you know, trade-offs. Yeah, that happens, but I'll be there when you get back. And, uh, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to do like a, a conference like that, just not have a schedule and not really be a hackathon where people are trying to win prizes, but skip people out for a couple days to finish projects that or start projects that they've always wanted to it'd be kind of yeah. fun. Maybe that's something we could do. That's uh, this conference I did after Southeast Ruby, the Southeast Solidus one. The third day was hiking and hacking uh, because he did it at Shelby Farms, which is a park near my house. And so like the morning they worked on like uh, open issues in Solidus. And then the afternoon they went on a hike. So maybe that's something we can that's cool. steal and like put that, in Southeast yeah. Ruby next year. I already have a keynote speaker lined up for next yeah, year. I like it. Yeah. Oh, oh really? That's great. Uh, is it it is uh, one that has been with <laughs> us more than once, which should give it away. So we'll be officially. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of. Uh, What's your time? Yeah, I got the hard drive yesterday. It's two weeks, right? Um, yeah, okay. that well, kind of slowed we'll down my two-week deadline. Um, it was really cool. They So once again, shout out Ramsey Solutions. Uh, they sent me a two-terabyte hard drive that has everything on it. So I've been... I've been, I started watching some of the footage yesterday, and it looks gorgeous because I shot it in 4K. And yeah, so I started as That's we awesome. speak, I have Advi's keynote uploading and uh, I had some trouble with it. Cause like I lined up the slides with the videos. Um, and at the beginning, like his talks, like 56 minutes. So, like I started at the beginning and got the slides lined up and I watched it at the end and they were off by like two seconds. And so I was like, well, that's not good. Um, and so I went through, there was a problem in the first like huh. 20 minutes huh. with the video, not the actual like video of, of Advi, but the, uh, the slides were like run as a direct connection to you. They like started shorting out. And so you would just see like video connection loss. And so I went through and tried to like piece that back together. So. Mm. Yeah, it's not. It's never easy. It's no. never just click. So that's why I am. That slowed me down a little bit today. But my goal is tomorrow before we leave to have two keynotes up. So I'm uploading audios right now. It is 10 gigs. And my computer, I started it. It's currently four o'clock. I started the upload around 2.45, and it's only rendered half the video. It, not even uploading it, just like rendering the video. So. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you may have a, a full solid a week slow, of exporting and uploading. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. I will see you tomorrow, Sounds and I'll good. talk to the rest of you guys next week when we're on the podcast. See ya.